0: All right, well, join me this morning in your Bibles in Galatians chapter number 2, and we continue our series Christian Discover the Meaning of the Truly Christian Life. And what we've been doing for several weeks is we're looking at some key passages to understand really the core identity of being a Christian. Most of us as we think about our faith, we are we proudly let the world know. You know what? I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. But sometimes we don't experience that for all that Christ means it to be for us. So these passages that we're looking at, they're just reminding us. They're kind of some anchor points for us. And one of my favorite passages is what we come to today. And that's Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Some of you probably have memorized this verse. So if you know it um, or if you're following along, I'd encourage you to read it with me this morning. It's our theme verse for the message. It says this in Galatians 2 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's read it once more. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The title of the message today is The Exchanged Life. And the focus is this, that the nature or the message of the gospel is not just that Jesus has improved my life, It's not that he's given me a better life. It's not that Jesus has helped me with my life, but Jesus has given me, by his death on the cross and by his resurrection, Jesus has given me an entirely new life. The old life is gone and the new life is alive in Christ. That's what this passage is teaching us. Now, a little bit of background, and we're not doing an in-depth study in the book of Galatians, but if you were to study the book of Galatians in depth, this is what you'd find. You'd find that these are young Christians. They're growing in their faith in this region of Galatia. Now, what's happened is a controversy has arisen. There's a controversy in the churches of Galatia, and that controversy is really over the very nature of Christianity. And it centers around this question. So listen to this carefully, because this is really the the key question to understanding the book of Galatians. That's this. Is my acceptance with God based on my works? Is it based on my efforts? Is it based on my ability? Or is my acceptance with God based entirely and solely on my faith in what Christ Jesus has done. Now the answer to that question is unmistakably clear in the book of Galatians. And that is that my acceptance, my standing with God is based entirely not on what I've done, but on what Christ has done for me. And that controversy should have been put to rest with the book of Galatians. But unfortunately the controversy controversy still exists today. There's still different groups and that claim the name of Christianity that advocate that your acceptance with God is based on something you do. Whereas the Bible makes it v- very clear that this is about not an improved life, not Jesus helping me with my life, but I could do nothing to bring about my salvation. Jesus accomplished all of it, and he has exchanged his life for mine. He took all of my sin He took all of the punishment that I deserved and I received all of his life and all of his forgiveness. That's the exchange that takes place when a person comes to faith in Christ. Well, he outlines this in the passage. So let's read a few of the verses surrounding to get the context. And I want to back up to verse number 16. And first of all, the first thing I'd like to point out in this passage this morning is this. It begins by knowing where we begin. Knowing where we begin with our life in Christ. And so look at verse number 16, Galatians 2 and verse number 16. Notice the first word. Do You see that word? Knowing, knowing, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. That should settle the controversy right there. He brings our attention to something that we are supposed to know. After all, we are Christians. We are believers in Jesus. He says, this is what you need to know. You need to understand where you begin your Christian life. What is the entry point to Christianity? And this is just, this is what I'm referring to today as the glorious entrance to the Christian life. This is the point where we come and we say, I realize that I have nothing to offer And I cannot be justified, I cannot be justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. It's clear, not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. So he says, first off, we need to know this, but then the key word here is this word justified. What does that mean? What does it mean to be justified? Well, if you study the concept, you'll find that it's a legal term. And it has the idea of being declared just in a courtroom, declared to be righteous. This is the, the essence of the Christian message. This is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is nothing that I can do to make myself righteous before God. There's nothing I can do to atone for my sins, to pay for my sins, absolutely nothing. I cannot justify myself And that is what people have been trying to do for thousands and thousands of years. If I could be a little more religious, if I could do a little more good, if I could behave in a different way, maybe I could justify myself. But the Bible makes it clear here that we need to understand this. We need to know this, this glorious entrance to the Christian life. We know that we cannot be justified by our own works or the works of the law or religious system but we are justified entirely, what does it say? By the faith of Jesus Christ. For by grace, Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. This is the entrance, and it's a glorious entrance. It says here, there's more in verse 16. We're not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. You say, Ethan, how do I know if I truly have placed my faith in Christ? Well, the scripture says it right here. We have believed in Jesus. It's a simple recognition of my sinfulness and his grace and mercy. And it's simply believing on him to save me that's where it all begins we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified we need to know where we begin And Paul is going to talk more about what this exchange life means as we live out our Christian life, but it has to begin with the beginning. And that is simple faith in Jesus Christ. There's nothing I could do to save myself. I simply called upon Jesus and trusted him to save me. But now things change when we move down into verse number 17. There's a struggle that takes place. So we know where we begin That's verse 16. And hopefully you're watching this morning and there's been a time in your life where you put your faith in Jesus and you know that's where you began. You gave him all of your sin. He gave you all of his forgiveness in his new life. But if that's the first step or the first first reality here, there's a new reality that we see. There's a second reality that we see And that is the struggle in verse 17. So we begin in all glory and excitement and and with joy that we're saved completely by faith. But now look at verse 17. But, but if, while we seek to be justified by Christ. In other words, we are on this journey. Yes, we have been. This doesn't mean that we're, we're hoping. The point is here that yes, my hope, my salvation is, am trusting in Christ. I'm trusting him to justify me. But while, while I'm experiencing this salvation, while I'm experiencing this wonderful grace, look what he says. If while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of, Of sin, God forbid. See, what he's referring to here in verse number 17 is what is spoken of also, if you want to study it out in Romans chapter 6, and that is the struggle that we're left with, the struggle that we face over sin as Christians. We know that, as I've already mentioned, when we come to Christ, he forgives all of our sin, and we have this new relationship with him, but then the struggle is real, as they say. We walk into this Christian life, and we say, you know what? Yes, he forgave me, but I still have some of those habits that I had before. Some of those old behaviors that I, the, the, the way that I used to live, it's creeping back up into my life. Well, there's two reactions to this. On the one hand, a person could say, well, it doesn't matter. Jesus has saved you entirely by grace, through faith. So, don't even worry about those things. If you were, if you told lies before and you're a Christian and you continue to tell lies, don't worry about it. After all we're under grace. And so what he says here is, well, is that the answer? Is that the answer for the struggle? We just give up in the struggle against sin. We just say, nope, it's okay. It's just what it's always going to be. Well, he says in this verse, well, that would make Christ the minister of sin. In other words, what he's saying is in this struggle, if we just let go and say, you know what, I'm saved by faith completely. So it doesn't matter how I live. If we if we just embrace our sinful struggle. Well, the fact is this, that we make Jesus the minister of sin. And what is the answer here in this verse? Is that supposed to be the reality? Well, he answers with the very strongest phrase that exists in the Greek Language to the negative, and it's here translated, God forbid. Absolutely not. Definitely not. This is not what is supposed to happen. We are not supposed to just give up in the struggle. Yes, we we face this struggle with sin as Christians, but Christ is not the minister of sin. And so look at what his grace then empowers us to do in verse number 18. He gives us, or verse 18 and 19, He gives us a little more information for if I build again the things which I destroyed. Now, that's interesting. If I build again the things which I destroyed, what would be being destroyed here? Well, it's sin. Jesus, by his grace, destroyed the enemy of sin in my life. So as a Christian, am I supposed to now go back? And rebuild up those things which were completely destroyed by the cross of Jesus. No, if I were to do that, Paul says, I'd make myself a transgressor. Well. He says, if I build again, the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. So now he resolves the tension in verse number 19. And in verse number 19, he gives us the key understanding to this struggle the key to understanding the struggle is verse number 19. I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. You see, Paul, what he's describing in verse number 19 is this. He said, there was a time in my life where I was under the law, under the commandments. And they had a lot of power over him. He would, he, he could never find ultimate security. Because every time he would sin, he would go back to the law and he'd make a sacrifice and he'd try to make it right. And he'd try a little harder and follow a little more. But then he heard about Jesus and how Jesus completely fulfilled the law. And Jesus said the law, the Ten Commandments, if you will, the commands of God, right versus wrong, the, the instructions of God's word. They were here to show us, to show us our sinfulness. But Christ defeated that power on the cross. And so by the power of Jesus, the truth is this, by the power of Jesus, as I enter the struggle, as I enter the struggle of this conflict in my Christian life, I understand that I am dead to the power of sin and the law, but I am alive unto God. I have a new power to live in a new way. Okay? So you'd say, well that's great in theory. That makes a great theory. It sounds really good. But how does that play out? Well, fortunately, the Holy Spirit gives us more to explain it. So think about what we've covered so far in Galatians 2 here. In verse number 16, we know where we begin. Verse number 16, it says that we understand we're justified by Jesus through faith in him alone. But then verses 17 through 19, yeah, well, he's totally forgiven us, but We've still got the struggle with sin. Don't worry. He's given you power over it. He's given you a new life. All right. So how does it work? Well, Paul encapsulates. The best definition of how this all plays out in verse number 20 In verse number 20. Paul describes truly living out this exchange where I. The exchange being, I gave Christ my sin and unworthiness. He gave me his life and his power. So how does it work? This is where faith meets reality and we experience a new reality. Look at verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Paul, what did you mean that you're dead to the law, that you could live unto God? What what did you mean? He says, well, let me tell you in verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ. Now, those words right there, those five words, are quite impactful in and of themselves. Crucifixion was the most awful form of death imaginable in this day and age. It was commonly understood. We live so many years removed from that. We think of the cross and it's uh, we'll even wear it as jewelry sometimes. It's, a, it's, it's sometimes thought of in warm-hearted terms because we know what the cross accomplished. But in this day, in this time, the cross was the symbol of cruelty, punishment, and death. And as Paul looks back on the cross of Christ, and he thinks about everything that Jesus endured on the cross and the, the agony that Christ experienced and the payment for sin that was purchased on the cross. Paul thinks back and he says on at that crucifixion that day that dark day on Calvary when Jesus died I died with him. But it's not a tragic death, it's a glorious death. Because what he's saying here is he's saying Paul the sinner died with Jesus on the cross. As Jesus, be, we sang about it this morning, as Jesus became sin, sin was put to death on the cross. But it wasn't Jesus' sin that was put to death. It was my sin. It was your sin. It was the apostle Paul's sin. And he says here, I am crucified with Christ. But notice the tense of the word. He doesn't just say I was crucified with Christ or I could be crucified with Christ. He describes it in the present tense. It's a present reality. He says, I am crucified with Christ. It is the who it is my I am. It is my explanation of my identity. Paul's I am is the one crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Not past, but a continual existent presence. That the old reality of who i was my sinfulness is never coming back because that died on the cross with Jesus Paul said I am crucified with Christ but there's an irony here because he says nevertheless I live to it to those who don't know the, the the story to those who don't know the 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 principle here he's presenting this in And I think just really an interesting way, he puts these two opposite concepts right next to each other. He says, I want you to know at my core, who I am is I am someone who's dead, but I'm still living. Nevertheless, I live. Well, what do you mean? How could you be dead, but also alive? Look at how he describes it. This is the exchange. Yet, not I. He says, what you see who I am now, this life that I live, it's not me living it. It's not me living it. It's Christ who lives it in me. The life I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live yet. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. In me. And he doesn't he's not just present, but he's empowering. You see, first of all, the presence of Christ that he lives in me. But now he empowers my life and the life which I now live. It's not that Paul has said, no, I'm just completely letting go of everything. He says, no, I have a life to live. I have things to do. There's this battle I'm going to be engaged in. I live a life, the life that I now live in the flesh. I've still got this body. I still have this, this earthly experience to live out this life. But Christ is present in my life. And now the power, he says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God. This here is the empowering presence of Jesus in our lives. But how? Now notice this. So think about that. The empowering presence of Jesus in my life. Right? So Christ lives in me. And I live by him. His presence, he's in me. I live by him. The empowering presence. How is it activated? How is it activated? It's activated by faith. By faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now that is not that is not simply church talk, s- spiritual words there's an action there Paul says I have the empowering presence of Christ but you know what what Paul said the empowering presence of Christ is with every single believer but it is not always activated within the heart of the believer do you know why it's not activated it's there I mean we have it I am crucified with Christ Jesus accomplished that remember we know where we began We started in verse 16, knowing where we begin. Yes, now we've got this struggle. But the problem is once we face the struggle, Jesus doesn't leave us. His presence is there. His power is there. That reality is true. The problem is the struggle causes us to begin to rely on ourselves. And so what happens is this. For many Christians, the verse reads this way. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. That's true no matter who you are, if you're a Christian. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's true in every believer's life. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live the best I can. The life I live in the flesh, I live By my own strength. You see. The empowering presence of Christ. The exchange that he's made. Lies dormant in many of our lives. Because we've never activated it. Or we fail to activate it. Very simply. The key. To activation. Is what? Faith. It's faith. I live by the faith of the Son of God. You say, well, that sounds, you know, that that sounds a little overly simplistic. Well, faith, I have found, and I think you'd find this to be true, faith is both the most simple and the most difficult concept that I think people struggle with. It hinders people from first Becoming Christians, because they say, "Oh no, it can't be that simple. There must be something more." Or, "I'm not that bad. I, 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 can do this on my own. It's so simple. Just believe in Jesus." Yet, people, it goes against the very core of our own pride and our own desires. But the same thing happens as we go out, go throughout our Christian life. As soon as we face struggle, the struggle of sin, as soon as we face the difficulty, the opposition. Our first reaction is very often to look within us. Whereas, mark it down, challenge, I challenge you to do this. Whatever you're dealing with, whether you've got an, a, an addiction that you're battling, or you've got something going on in your life, or you've got a struggle with sin, whatever it is, I challenge you just to take this simple step, just a simple step of faith to say, Lord Jesus, I believe that your power can defeat this in my life. You say, well, what other steps are involved? Well, he may lead you to do certain things and change certain behaviors, but it always begins with a simple statement of faith. That theme is all throughout the Bible. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It says that um, we walk by faith and not by sight. So let me ask you are you experiencing the exchange? Where Christ said, You can have all of it. You have all of me. You have my presence. You can have my power. It's at that moment of faith where we say, Yes, Lord. And we exchange our strength, our ability, our desire with faith in what He can do. he gets our worst and we get his best and that exchange is made that is where faith meets the reality of the struggle and the new reality of the life of christ is experienced just believing him in the book of colossians paul would say this as ye have therefore received jesus christ so walk ye in him in other words in the same way that you first came to faith in Jesus, that's how you're supposed to live out your Christian life. In simple, obedient faith. And because of that, we can respond in gratitude. Look at the end of the verse. This is where I find the motivation to do it again tomorrow, to make the exchange tomorrow, to trust him today. He says, I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, this exchange was purchased. It was paid for because of the great love of Jesus when he gave himself on the cross. That's what all of life is about. We're not, we were not created simply to struggle through and get through another day and, and Uh, And just, you know, barely make it through this thing called life. We're created to know God and to know his power and to experience his love. So i speak to two groups of people this morning. Really, that's that's about it. Just two groups of people. The first group are people who have found faith in Christ. They follow him. They would identify as Christians. Are you experiencing that exchange? Are you walking in faith? or if you got bogged down by the struggle, this morning, take some time to to come to Christ once again and say, Jesus, I just need to trust you more. I need to depend more on you and less on me. Take my life, Lord, because you love me and you gave yourself for me. That's the first group. And that could be you. And you've been a Christian for a period of time. You need to make that decision this morning to get back in that place of activating faith. But the second group that I could be speaking to this morning, you would be someone who's never truly come to faith in Jesus. In fact, in the very book that we're reading, Galatians, there were many people who knew a lot about religion, but they completely misunderstood what it meant to be a Christian. You can be religious, but not be a true Christian. Remember where we began? by the works of the flesh or the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, that we are justified by the faith of Jesus. Has there ever been a time in your life where you have come to the Lord by faith and faith alone? The Bible says that whosoever believeth in him, this is John 3, 16, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life you may need to start your Christian journey today with that step of faith. And I want to invite you to do it right now. We're going to have a quiet time of reflection and prayer right now. Wherever you are at home or on the road listening, whatever your circumstance, would you bow your heads and spend some time with the Lord? And if you've never received Christ, I want to invite you to do that right now. Simply bow your heart to Jesus and pray something like this. Say, dear Lord, I do know that I'm a sinner. God, I I have nothing to offer you of my own. And I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And I let go of my own efforts, my own works. And I trust you as my Savior. Lord Jesus, please save me. Please save me. If you prayed something like that this morning for the first time and you meant that from your heart, the Bible says that anyone whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've begun your Christian journey with faith in Christ. Let's all walk by faith this week. Let's come away from this time in God's word saying, Jesus, you did that for me. You you made that great exchange for me. So Lord Jesus, take my life. God, we're so grateful for the time that we've had in your word today. I do pray that you'd bless our church and bless those who have joined us this morning. Help us each to walk closer to you, to trust you more each and every day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning, and we'll look forward to seeing you all again soon. And we'll pray that God blesses you and your family today. Thank you so much. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com Or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.